This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. We've got to get kids out doing things. One of the big problems I'm seeing today is too much overprotecting. Uh, my mother had a very good sense of how to stretch me just outside my comfort zone, but give me choices. Always some choices, always stretching. And I'm seeing too many kids today, fully verbal kids with an autism label. They don't know how to shop. They're not learning driving. They're not learning bank account. So a lot of things are not learning. Now, one of the problems you've got on the autism spectrum is you've got huge memory. So the brain built all these music circuits back here, but there's very little working memory. So let me give you a tip on driving. You're going to have to spend a lot more time learning how to operate the car to get it into motor memory before you go near traffic. I did 200 miles on dirt roads before we did any traffic. So let's use the big parking lots, the deserted office parks here at Qualcomm. Probably not very many people here Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Good place to learn driving where you don't have traffic. Now this book, Calling All Minds, is a book of my childhood projects. I'm very concerned today that kids are growing up and not doing hands-on things. How can a kid get interested in music if they're not exposed to musical instruments? There's no way. We got kids growing up today, they don't cook, don't sew, they don't do woodworking. I talked to a doctor in Texas that said he's frustrated with the new interns because they can't figure out how to sew up a cut because they've never used scissors and they've never used a needle and thread. That's just ridiculous. And the thing I've learned is I'm traveling back and forth between the silos. I gave a talk at Apple just a week ago. I've done talks at Cape Kennedy. I've worked for years on my cattle stuff. I've worked for every major meat company with skilled tradespeople on building the things that I've designed. And maybe the right stuff went to the moon, but the misfits and the geeks, they built the stuff. Well, who do you think works here at Qualcomm? This is the heart of the iPhone right here. It's not the normal people. It's all the people on the autism spectrum that don't get the label. They work here at Qualcomm, they'll work at Apple. And the thing I've noticed about the tech community is they have a very big aversion to the labels. Oh, don't put the A word on us. But you see, I'm a visual thinker. So I'm going, well, I saw a guy just like him at an autism meeting, but he's down in the basement playing video games. Got to control the screen time. Silicon Valley parents, they send their kids to uh, Montessori schools. They control screen time. They know how addictive they are because they want their kid to grow up to be a computer programmer, not, you know, video game recluse. Now, I want to see kids be everything that they can be. We got to start looking at what they can do. My grandfather was a co-inventor of the autopilot for airplanes. And the person that he worked with probably was very much on the autism spectrum. And he came up with this crazy idea for three little coils. Everybody in aviation thought it was nuts. But my grandfather and a guy named Andrew Nickian tinkered in the loft of this building until they got it to work. A lot of kids today are too afraid of making mistakes. Hands-on things, you're going to do stuff that doesn't work, and you're going to have to tinker around and work on it until you get it to work. Kids aren't doing things today like hooking up a garden hose. They're just totally growing up today, separated from the world of real things. 
We've got a gigantic shortage now of high-end skilled trades. I've read nothing about this in the business magazines. I'm talking about plumbing, electrical. We just uh, finished up a whole bunch of new buildings on the Colorado State University campus, and they had a horrible time getting enough electricians, mechanics, and then the steel workers that I work with. And we're losing scales. Um, I re we recently just did a training for animal welfare training in a brand new state-of-the-art pork processing plant. We no longer make the specialized equipment. It's coming from French Canada, and it's coming from Europe. I went to a state-of-the-art poultry processing plant. The equipment was shipped over here in 100 shipping containers. This is absolutely horrible. Why are we not making this stuff anymore? We used to make it because we've taken out all the hands-on classes. Kids aren't getting exposed to high-end skilled trades, and the business magazines never talk about it. Well, because the business people don't, you know, somebody has to make the stuff in the basement of this building work, or it's going to become really uninhabitable. And I went to the really beautiful Steve Jobs Theater with its carbon fiber roof, structural glass walls, all from Germany. That should have been made by Corning Glass. We are losing skills. I'm very concerned about this. We got to get kids doing all kinds of hands-on things, tools. We got kids growing up today that never use tools, musical instruments, art. Kids aren't getting exposed to enough stuff to figure out what they might want to do. I like this kindergarten in Missouri. They got kids building robots at a young age. And that's one of my drawings. So when you're weird, how did I sell my work? I had no speech until age four. I was severely autistic as a little kid. Had all the standard, really good speech therapy. The way I sold jobs, and this is the drawing that I sent to Mr. Fielding of Cargill back in 1987 to sell him on having me design the front end of every Cargill plant in North America. You show the work. Show off the work. Never said anything about autism, just showing off the work. Okay, tonight, concert, we're going to be showing off the things that people can do. So why do I have it marked on there that you have to touch to perceive? Well, I noticed a strange thing happened. Now watch the industry switch from hand drafting to computerized drafting. That would have been in the mid-90s. We started getting very strange mistakes on drawings. Things like the center of the circle wasn't in the center of the circle. And in every single case, that drawing had been made by a person who learned how to computer draft, but they'd never built anything, and they had never drawn by hand. They had absolutely not done any hands-on things. You know, you've got to touch to perceive. Pixar's learned that, too. Sometimes they've got to get the people off the computers. So I get, went to go to a real launch. Man, that was cool. A real SpaceX launch. When I was a kid, the only places I was not bullied was where there was a shared special interest. Friends through shared interests. Okay, here it's going to be music. That's a specialized interest. Also, today in the hotel, there happened to be a piano in the lobby, and two people were playing the piano together. And one kid discovered music because it happened to be in the lobby of a hotel that had a piano in it, and he sat down next to somebody else and started playing music. Sometimes you never know where the door is going to be. And oftentimes, people don't see the door. There's a me scene in the HBO movie Temple Grandin where I go up and I get the editor's card. This is the editor for our state farm magazine. And I realized that if I wrote for this magazine, I could um, really go places. And I saw that door. 
Most people don't see the door. And model rockets, that was another one of my favorite things. And we had to build our own rockets. I had friends through that, friends who horseback riding. I also learned how to work by running our school's horse barn. Kids need to learn how to do a job on a schedule outside the family before they graduate from high school. Little kids, 11 years old, dog walking, church or neighborhood volunteer jobs. Got to learn working skills. Now, when I was a little kid, I'd tinker and tinker and tinker making things. And this is my book, Calling All Minds. We got a few copies out in the bookstore. And Amazon's got lots more paperback copies that'll be cheaper. <laughs> but they won't be signed. And I had to tinker and tinker to get this bird kite to work. Kids today are afraid of making mistakes. I find a lot of kids just really like doing these sort of things. These things don't cost a lot of money. It's just a file folder paper, but you're going to have to tinker. When I went back as a grown-up and tried to recreate these things, I found that plastic grocery bag didn't work. I had to go back and get the rough kind of crepe paper I had as a child. Well, there's the wingtips on the real airplane. And when I was a little kid, I invented those wingtips. And now somebody else got the patent. There's all kinds of wingtips here. <laughs> there's some other different wingtips. And there's the patents. The book also has um, lots of patents that kids could look up, which is lots of fun, looking up things on Google patents. And then you got the people that just went nuts with the wingtips. You know, that's sort of crazy. It flew, but it's just kind of crazy. You don't need to do that. Now, another thing I got interested in was optical illusions. And I think one thing I really enjoyed in the HBO movie is it showed all of my projects. My science teacher wasn't going to tell me how to make this optical illusion room. He wanted me to figure it out for myself. This gets back to having grit and, and being willing to make some mistakes. And he gave me one hint, and it's in the title slide of the movie. That shape. He let me see that shape in a, a psychology book. And he let me look at it for about five seconds. All right, we got to get these things back in the schools. Art, sewing, musical instruments, woodworking, theater, welding, auto shop, creative writing. These are all good jobs that aren't going to get replaced by computers. High-end skilled trades. I'm not talking about roofing or concrete flat work. I'm talking about plumbing, electrical, heating and air conditioning, all your mechanics, car, truck, boat, airplane, and welders that can read drawings. They've got to read drawings to be useful. These are good trades. They will not go away. Full health benefits. And my kind of mind, the visual thinker, because I'm not the music and math mind. I'm the visual thinker. It's a different kind of specialized mind. Now, the thing is, these kinds of classes foster success. There's been a study that showed that a Nobel Prize winner in science was more likely to have a creative hobby than just a regular scientist. Now, another thing I've been noticing as I do talks at autism meetings is I'm finding a lot of grandparents come up to me. And grandparents come up and find out that they're on the autism spectrum when the grandkids get diagnosed. I was at a tech conference where granddad came up in tears saying I'm one of those granddads. But this is a pattern I'm seeing all the time. So why did granddaddy get a good job and junior's not? Because Junior's getting too babied and he's not learning shopping. He's not learning you know, just basic saying please and thank you and manners and things like that. 
which granddaddy was taught. Uh, now, in the mild forms, autism is just brain variability. A brain can be more cognitive, or a brain can be more social-emotional. At what point does it become an abnormality? Now, obviously, speech delay at age four is an abnormality. But you've got the kids where they're just geeky and nerdy. That's why Qualcomm's got the best chips in the world. It's that simple. Because people on the autism spectrum made them. And their competitors out there avoid the A word. I don't know if they avoid the A word here, but they probably do. And I learned that naming my book The Autistic Brain was a mistake. Uh, it should have just been called Different Kinds of Minds. I should have overridden the book publisher on that. Uh, so in the milder forms, it's just variation in personality. More thinking or more social-emotional. Okay, this is a great paper, Genomic Trade-Offs. That's the title of a paper. Are autism and schizophrenia the steep price for a human brain? You see, the same brain, the same genes that make the brain big also cause autism and schizophrenia. And they're actually opposite conditions. What happens in autism is you grow extra circuits back here. Maybe the art department gets them. That's my kind of mind. Maybe the math department gets them or the music department gets them. And then you shortchange social. That's what happens in autism. Grow in the back, memory, all the, all the tech music stuff, short-change social. In schizophrenia, what happens, the network's kind of skimpy. And then later on in life, it fails. That's what happens in schizophrenia. There's also another interesting paper about solitary mammals as a model for autism. Let's look at big cats. Lions are more social than panthers or leopards. There's genetic crossover here. Are leopards defective? No. You see, in the milder form, it's just part of variation. Okay, what would happen to some of the great innovators today? Many of them had an unconventional educational path. And there's a good chance Mozart was on the spectrum. Steve Jobs, bullied in school, loved calligraphy. Bullying is a, and teasing, a really big problem. I got kicked out of ninth grade for fighting. And I, I, the only places I was not bullied is where I had friends who shared interests. Einstein had no speech till age three. Another person, Thomas Edison, hyperactive adult high school dropout. I'm worried too many kids are getting labels and we're screening them out. Especially since we've taken out so many of the classes that introduce kids to career options. Dyslexic CEOs, they have the vision to have good businesses like JetBlue and IKEA. JetBlue, the one airline that actually gives you leg room in the back of the plane. <laughs> and that might have something to do with being a visual thinker. Thomas Edison, he was totally weird, hyperactive high school dropout, great memory. And he also burned up the baggage car on the train with his chemistry experiments. That'd probably get him in more trouble today. What would happen to a kid like him today? Now, what are some of the common denominators? You've got to grow up with lots of re uh, exposure to resources. If kids that are musically inclined are not exposed to music, they're not going to learn it. Or you've got a little third grader and he's good at math, then give him the math books. I can't do algebra, but I know how to find linear algebra quantum computing. 
Nope, if we want to beat the Chinese, then we better be giving these kids a paper from MIT called Linear Algebra Quantum Computing. I know how to look it up online. And the thing is, I don't have to understand this paper. All I got to do is expose the kid to it. It's that simple. Expose the kid to the geometry book, the trigonometry book. Expose them to stuff. Stuff I can just find online. And people are getting too locked into the label. Learning how to work. Got to learn how to do tasks on assignment. Mentors. My mother was a great mentor, stretching me. Fabulous third grade teacher. And one of the reasons why I wasn't bullied in elementary school is Mrs. Deach, my third grade teacher, explained how I had a handicap, but it was not visible like a wheelchair. And that the other kids need to help me. My science teacher. What my science teacher did is he showed me how education was a path to a goal. And I dreamed that I'd become a scientist and I'd work in James Bond labs. <laughs> and that dream uh, just propelled me all the way through college. And I was really disappointed to find out the labs weren't like James Bond. I'm <laughs> uh, learning to drive. I would not have been in the cattle industry if I couldn't have learned to drive. But I got involved in the cattle industry because I got exposed to it on my aunt's ranch. And I had a lot of anxiety and I was afraid to go to my aunt's ranch. And mother gave me a choice. I could go for the whole summer, or I could go for a week and come back home. Always some choices. Wasn't allowed to hole up in my room. My favorite books as a little kid. Now this is one of the, my most important slides. This is the different kinds of minds. And in my book, The Autistic Brain, we have a few copies outside. Amazon's got a whole bunch more. I provide the science to show that these three kinds, four different kinds of minds really do exist. I'm a photorealistic object visualizer. In your brain, you have circuits for what is something. I have overgrowth in the object visualizer. Everything I see is a picture. Can't do algebra. And I'm seeing algebra screening visual thinkers out of skilled trades. You need old-fashioned sixth grade math the way it used to be taught. That you need. But we need our visual thinkers, and we need our visual thinkers to prevent you know, mistakes in engineering. Then you have your pattern thinker, your music people, math people. They think patterns, not photorealistic pictures, but patterns. You see, those are the circuits in the brain for where are you in space, visual thinking. And then you got the verbal facts guy who loves history. Great memory, loves facts and history. And then you got some dyslexic people where their vision's all messed up and the images pixelate like a bad television, and they're going to learn through their ears. If you have somebody who's dyslex dyslexic, ask them if they ever see the print jiggle on the page. And if the print jiggles on the page, uh, then there's a simple way you can fix it. Try printing their work on different pastel papers. Light tan, light lavender, light blue, light yellow, all your pale pastel colors. See, in your brain, you've got circuits for shape, color, motion, and texture. And then there's image stabilization software in the brain that stabilizes the image. Nobody knows how it works. But in developmental problems, there's problems with that. Another little hint on sensory is let's say the child's afraid of the vacuum cleaner. Give the kid control where he can turn that vacuum cleaner on and off, where he can control it. And it may end up being his favorite thing. But there's actual science that shows these different kinds of minds exist. You see, in brains that are different, they tend to specialize. You see, and the, and the people that are like me, 
can't do algebra, there's nothing there to visualize. Also, I have absolutely no working memory. So for any task, let's say I've got to tear down the Starbucks uh, coffee machine, clean it, set it back up. Give me a pilot's checklist. Tear down steps, cleaning steps, reassembly steps. Then pilots have to use that. One to three keywords for each step, just to trigger the sequence memory. Now I've got a really big visual thinking circuit. There's another really big visual thinking circuit. And um, that's the trashed out algebra department, no working memory. <laughs> and one of the big problems you have is attention shift. And there's some nonverbal individuals great at music and they can read, but they can't attention shift. So for a communication device, why don't you try text messaging on a tablet? Because when you type on that virtual keyboard, that print appears next to the keyboard. That gets rid of attention shift. I do a lot of talks in low-income areas, so I can't tell them about the $700 thing. I'm going to tell them about the thing they can find for free if they just look around. This is what Thomas Edison had to say about mathematics. I'm not a mathematician. I can always hire a mathematician. They can't hire me. <laughs> and there's my book, The Autistic Brain. You also might be interested in seeing what others cannot see. Got a few copies out in the book table. They'll probably be gone but uh, I'll sign some pictures, and these books are available on Amazon, and this gives you the science that what I'm telling you about the different kinds of minds is not a bunch of hooey. It really is true. And a lot of schools today are really into evidence-based. Well, I can give you evidence-based on this. All right, now I'm going to show you why you need visual thinkers. This is a question that used to be asked to freshman engineering students at Texas A&M University. So a Boeing engineer comes in, and tells the students that while a plane's being built, a big toolbox, a real heavy one, gets dropped right on the wing because off a crane, like 20 feet down on a crane, bam, big craftsman toolbox. Well, the engineers do the math, and they find it stressed close to the critical limit, but it still passes. Don't overthink this one. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You throw the part away. You don't take a chance on that. You want to fly on the plane with a stressed wing? I don't. You throw the part away. And now I'm visualizing destroying that part. Because I want to make sure it doesn't get used. If it's a major part of the wing, I'm going to have to run over it with heavy equipment. But I want to make sure that part's not reused. So I'm going to smash it up enough so it can't be reused. Or I'm going to escort it out the gate to the junkyard. I've got to get rid of that part. We need visual thinkers to prevent messes like Fukushima. I couldn't believe it when I found out why that happened. It's not a very good idea when you live next to the sea to put your super important emergency cooling pump in a non-waterproof basement, especially when it's run with electricity. Watertight doors would have saved it. Now we look at the whole Boeing mess. Some of this was a visual thinking mistake. Engineers calculate risk. Visual thinkers see risk, like I could see water going into the basement. Or if there was a laptop up here, which there isn't, I wouldn't put the drink next to it because I can see it, it going onto the computer. But I can also see solutions to problems. And what they did at Boeing is they attached a single, extremely fragile angle of attack sensor that measures the angle of the air to a computer capable of crashing a plane. They simply didn't see it, and then they didn't tell the pilots about it. But part of it was a visual thinking mistake. When I read, read some of the stuff, I just couldn't believe that they did this. 
oh yeah, here's engineering gobbledygook, everybody has their jargon. Impact with train is engineering gobbledygook for crashing. So they have their stupid language too. And uh, medicine has their language. And people get locked into their language. And that term, possible impact with train, was actually in the FFA emergency directive that was put out after the first Lion Air crash. That wording was actually in the directive. You know, difficulty controlling a plane, loss of altitude, or possible impact with train. I'm going, you know, I don't want impact with train when I'm flying. Okay. <laughs> Steve Jobs loved calligraphy. He was not an engineer. And a thing we need to be thinking about, the connection between Steve Jobs and so-called useless humanity programs such as calligraphy should not be ignored. You know, these things are important. We need visual thinkers in science. See, when I write up the methods section for an experiment, I visualize it. When I uh, go over a journal article, I go, wait a minute, you didn't tell me what breed of cattle you have. You need to tell me that. I look at the methods because slight differences in the methods can change how an experiment comes out. Like, for example, if I shake my cancer cells really hard, I might get a different result than if I just gently stir them up. I love this marine innovation boot camp. This is where visual thinkers excel. And what they got to do in marine innovation boot camp is like make a vehicle out of a bunch of junk on the base and the PhD engineers don't know where to start, and the truck mechanics, the visual thinkers, they figure it out. But now we've got kids that aren't allowed to go into truck mechanics because they can't do algebra. That's totally ridiculous. So how did I get through college without knowing algebra? Thank goodness, in 67, finite math, which was probability, matrices, and statistics, was the required class. With tutoring, I got through it. But I'm seeing kids right now that can't go anywhere because of algebra. So what do you do? I talked to one parent down in the southeast, and I said, you see that Amazon warehouse that's down the street that you drive by all the time? It's a door. Go in there, learn every job on that floor, work your hindy off, and when things start breaking, you fix it. I have seen people go into the meat industry, straight out of the trailer park, get a job on the floor, which I don't like, but they learn a bunch of different jobs, and then 10 years later, they're running the project for building the huge new plant addition. I have seen that. That's how you get around it. Well, the thing is, people often have uneven skills. Like in Grace Murray Hopper, she was brilliant in math and she couldn't do Latin. Uneven skills. A lot of you know, individuals that are really smart at something, uh, we've got to be working on building up the strengths. Stephen Hawking, he had to do all his math in his head. You can find the Stephen Hawking math online for free. Maybe you've got a third grader who might want to play around with Penrose geometry. This stuff's all free. The thing about the little math geniuses, and that goes together with music, you don't have to understand this stuff. All the teacher has to do is show it to the kids. I read that book, Educated, about the family that kind of lived off the grid, and the brother in that book, I'm pretty sure it was on the autism spectrum. You know what saved him? Four math books given to him in elementary school. Algebra, geometry, calculus, and trig. Okay, math books, they're easy to find. I want the old math books that teach math the old-fashioned way. Now, that's the sort of thing where you just expose the kid to those books. Does that bug bite? That's an easy thing to do. 
and you can find uh, mathematical patterns in nature. This is stuff I can look up online for free. Look, look up math stuff on Google Images. Boy, you look it up on Google Images, you will find cool math stuff that you won't find on just regular word Google. Quasi-crystalline graphene. Oh, tomorrow it's going to be uh, material science. Yeah, we're losing it. The Germans can beat us on carbon fiber roofs. Yep, the Steve Jobs Theater was beautiful. And you know what I did? I stood in the middle of it, and it's a big echo chamber, and I screamed. We don't make it anymore. And the whole building's vibrating and shaking as I'm doing this. And then as far as the poultry processing plant, the chicken processing plant, the problem is if I've got my animal welfare hat on, I'm going to have to recommend that European equipment. I have to. It's the best. My education hat's screaming and crying, and my animal welfare hat's jumping up and down with joy. It's kind of, it's not a good situation to be in. Now, let's get into the high school science and nature magazines. This is really fun stuff. This is the hot stuff right here. It's all patterns, all pure patterns. I'm amazed at the pattern stuff I'm finding now when I read about material science. Beautiful geometric patterns. They look like the old stained glass windows on the Notre Dame Cathedral, but they're, they're uh, material science, man-made um, uh, patterns, fractals, all kinds of math here, snowflakes. Now, I love what Stephen Hawking had to say about disability right before he died. Concentrate on the things your disability doesn't prevent you from doing well. Now, it's quoted in the BBC and the New York Times. That's the attitude that we need to be having. You know, there's a lot of interest right now about identity. College professor, animal behavior specialist, that's my primary identity. Autism is an important part of who I am, and I wouldn't want to change the way I think. But it's not primary identity. I'm seeing too many kids where it's totally becoming their primary identity. There's, scene, there's scenes in the movie where they slam down a deodorant and they say, you stink, use it. And they went and, um, and the secretaries had me go out and get new clothes. That happened. And then I had a disability person in a major company say to me, well, we can't tell them to clean up. I said, yes, I can. I'll take them in one of your little white cubicle conference rooms and I'm going to shut the door and I'm going to tell them in private he needs to clean it up. Yeah, rude, filthy, and dirty? No, we don't have to tolerate that. Okay, another thing that Stephen Hawking could do well is float around in the um, weightless plane. Now, visual thinkers, artificial intelligence, people with ADHD and dyslexia, we're bottom-up thinkers. Concepts are formed with specific examples. This is really important in teaching these kids. If you want to teach a kid what up down, in, on, those kind of position words mean. You're going to have to give them lots of different specific examples, such as the, you went up the stairs, the plane went up in the air, uh, I climbed up a mountain, the kite's up in the air. Give them different examples for each position word. So how do I learn things like uh, not just the, you know, good and bad, like gradations of good and bad, specific examples. Okay, Mother Teresa might be the pinnacle of good. Okay, I returned two wallets that I found at the airport. It's not Mother Teresa, but it's good. <laughs> and, and maybe helping an old lady across the street or holding open a door, that's not as good as returning two wallets. You see, this is... You see, I'm 
taking specific examples and putting it into categories. And this is why it's so important to get kids out doing things, because you've got to fill the database. You've got to fill the database. And I've seen Grant just blossom as he got out and he did art shows. You know, he's got the job at Staples. Verbal thinkers in education tend to come up with grandiose, very vague, top-down theories. Also, in my work with animals, to understand animals, it's a sensory-based world, not a word-based world. All right, here are some tips. Do not overload working memory. That's why you have to have the pilot's checklist. Stretch them just slightly out of their comfort zone. Limit screen time, one hour a day, and provide choices. If you're working with young kids, you're teaching them how to talk, always give the kid time to respond. They're like a phone on one bar. It takes time to respond. Also use a 1950s parenting method called, uh, I call it um, teachable moments. So if I put my finger in the mashed potatoes, my mother would say, use the fork. Other people think it's disgusting when you lick it off your fingers. So you quietly give the instruction and the reason why. Teachable moments. Okay, how do you teach artificial intelligence how to diagnose skin cancer? It's taught by showing it many specific examples of melanoma and then many other specific examples of things like ugly age spots and other things that are not melanoma. It's a bottom-up thinker, and it's only as good as its training. Okay, understanding animal behavior. When I first started working in animal behavior, I didn't know that I was a visual thinker. I thought everybody was a visual thinker. But it was obvious to me to look at what animals were looking at. Well, and if you're a word thinker, people don't think to look at that. Now, a visual thinker, you've got to be a good observer. I noticed these weird patterns on a sidewalk at Colorado State University right in front of our library. These are eclipse shadows where the eclipse acts like pinhole cameras. I noticed these funky shadows. Other students just walked over it. That's noticing visual detail. I noticed that cattle would stop at a chain hanging down in a chute. They see a yellow streamer. I get asked all the time, do they know they're going to get slaughtered? They're more worried about a paper towel hanging out of the dispenser. You get rid of that little bit of motion, then they'll walk right by it. Non-slip flooring is extremely important for animals. Like your dog panics when you take it to the vet and it's sliding around on the slippery table. Put it on a mat so it's got a non-slip floor. All right, let's see how good you are at observation. Raise your hand if you saw that that animal was looking at the sunbeam. Okay, we got quite a few people seeing it. We got a few more people than normal. Elementary school kids are the best. Over half the kids will see it. Now, animal memories are specific. They're sensory-based. Top-down thinkers, especially in education, way too verbal, way too much overgeneralization. Early exposure to career interests, riding horses, working with cattle, learned carpentry, experimental psychology class, great animal behavior class. I was a lousy student, except in biology and writing. I'm very concerned today about student writing skills. We've got graduate students that don't know how to write, and the reason why they don't know how to write is nobody marked up their work and copy edited it and corrected the grammar. That's going on right now. Also got students today who have never used a ruler in their life. And then they ask me, why is it important to learn how to do a scale drawing? 
Well, if you want to remodel your house, maybe you might want to know how to do a scale drawing. Now, when you're weird, you got to show the work off. That's how I sold projects. And I also wrote in the trade magazines. And that's why that scene in the movie where I get the editor's card is so important. There are some of my drawings. That's a drawing I did in 1978. Now, when I took this job in 1978, in 76 was the first one, there was a second one in 78, uh, I was at the 60% level of knowledge. And I said, give me three weeks. And then I ran around and I figured out how to do the concrete work and get the drawings for that. And I made myself knowledgeable. There's my brochure. You know, it's all black and white because in the 70s and the 80s, color printing was too expensive. So I had to do really nice textured paper, black and white. And what you want to do is a 30-second wow. So you show them this stuff, and they go, wow. And there's the original black and white uh, pictures from my, very, from my very first promotional materials. I took that from Gary Oden's Aronka stunt plane to a really into aviation last night. And one of my concerns right now is I'm seeing kids being denied in the military, flunking uh, aviation physicals when they've disclosed that they have autism. That's going on right now. Okay, there's another picture of that. And also, I worked with skilled tradespeople. They were every label in the book. I know a guy who has a big food factory, and uh, he's in his 70s, and we went over all the labels he would be. He would have been every one of them. I know a guy who stutters, ADHD, dyslexic, probably autistic, horrible student, took a welding class, owns a metal fabrication company. This is what makes me crazy, is I'm going back and forth between the silos. And the thing I think we've got to start asking is, where is a kid 10 years after high school? I was doing those dip that projects. We've got to look at school more as a pathway to a goal. In the state of Pennsylvania, for example, all you've got to be able to do is the English test, the algebra test, and the biology test. You don't have to do anything else. Okay, there's the uh, replica they made for the movie. I love the fact that the movie um, showed my projects. That was all really accurate. Also, the movie showed my visual thinking accurately. And starting my career in construction, uh, my first job at Swift, I criticized some welding, and I said it looked like a pigeon doo-dooed on it. And the plant engineer pulled me into his office in private and explained that that was rude talk and uh, that's not the way to do things. And uh, the other thing you learn from working in construction, there's an urgency. If you don't have parts, you get them. I'm seeing too many parents, way too passive, and the, let, they just let the kid become the label. And I think we'll end on this slide. Who builds big, complicated food factories? Visual thinkers, my department, we lay out the whole plant. And the millwrights, those are the steel workers, they do all the really clever equipment, all kinds of conveyors and stuff that we don't, we're not doing anymore. Now, the engineers at the formal degrees, we still have them. Boilers, refrigeration, now that part of the plant we're still doing. The building itself, we're still doing. But all the clever stuff that's inside the building, we're not doing. And I'm super, super concerned about losing skills, not a good thing. Um, this is a piece of equipment that I developed for big meatpacking plants. And uh, you got a lot of big steel work there. I like to show that off to parents. You know, this, you're not talking about stupid little shopping centers made out of cardboard. You're talking about complicated steel work. That's not done by stupid people. 
And I don't know if we've got any time for questions, but I'd like to take a couple of questions. Okay, let's take a couple of questions and then we'll end it. We're getting behind? Don't do questions? All right. All right, I'm going to be around. I'm going to be around all today. I'll be around here tonight. And I've got a few books there to sign. And I just want to thank everybody for coming. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.